Hello and welcome back to The Experience Makers, the podcast brought to you by Cognify. I'm Gemma Milne and once a month we'll be reimagining customer experience with guests from across the marketing technology industry. We'll be delving into everything from what today's consumer really wants right through to the technology that feeds the experience economy and digital transformation. Whatever stage of the digital journey you're on, if you're in business today, this one is for you. COVID-19 will not only be remembered as a deadly disease, but also as a huge accelerator for change. It brought with it an estimated five-year leap in digital adoption from both consumers and businesses in just 12 weeks. But now, as the world enters an early-onset COVID-induced recession, brands are left questioning their next steps. In this episode, we're joined by Wonderman Thompson's experience lead, Tom Belt, and planning director, Joe Weston, to discuss how both brands and consumers are reacting, what role technology has played in bringing consumers through the pandemic, and how it could shape the way that brands and consumers behave in the imminent recession. Joe, Tom, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Um, I wonder if you could start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you've been working on recently. Joe, let's start with you. Hi, hi, Gemma. Hi, everybody. Uh, so I'm Joe Weston. I'm planning director at Wonderman Thompson London. Uh, I've been working with Tom on a report called How Brands Can Win in a Recession. So the report looks at um, what can we learn, really, I suppose, from past recessions, what brands have done, or haven't done um, and, and therefore what, what they should be doing this time. But also we look at what, what's changed this time, what's different with a, a COVID induced recession um, and, and how should brands in different scenarios um, be behaving essentially in order to come out winning across the different um, time spans of the, of the recession that we're inevitably going into now. Amazing. Thank you. And Tom? Hi everyone, I'm Tom uh, Belt. I work in customer experience and the Wonderman Thompson office in London. So I worked with Joe really closely, co-authored the report. And yeah, the last few months have been very busy. We've just been trying to understand what are the new customer behaviours in amongst COVID? How do we design experiences for those and make sure that we're building experiences to last in what might be a very different normal uh, going forward? Mm. It's a really fascinating topic, um, kind of how to how to win in a recession. It almost seems slightly like a oxymoron of sorts. Um, but so I'm excited to dive in. So, Joe, I'd wonder if you could start by kind of giving us a bit of an overview of what can we learn from the shape of past recessions um, that are going to help brands to navigate this one? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, there's loads on this in the report, so I'm very glad you asked that. So, um, first of all, there's been a, there's been a lot of recessions in the past. There's been 16 recessions since 1923. Um, few of them really lasted much longer than 12 months. Um, so, it, it, it's rare to have a really long-lasting recession. Um, the other thing that we can observe as well is that that most um, certainly pandemic-induced recessions in the past have all been what we call V-shape which is kind of short, sharp shocks and quite deep, but then rebounding uh, and, and back to growth quite quickly. Um, there's, a, there's a sort of couple of other versions of this. There's, there's what you might ha- hear people call U-shaped recessions, which is a little bit worse. And then there's the, the worst of all of them, which is an L-shaped recession, uh, which is then what, you know, takes it very deep and taking a long time to recover. And um, I think really, you know, COVID would have had to have done significant damage um, to the economy and really, really kind of break some of the fundamentals of our global economy um, in order to, to get to this outcome. So this is really worst case scenario. Um, and we're, we're really hoping that we don't we don't have an L-shaped uh, recession. Um, we're hoping for the best at this stage. Mm. 
I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to kind of learn about all these different um, previous examples. Um, but at the same time, the, the words that we keep hearing uh, everyone saying, whether it's the politicians or the CEOs or the news anchors, is unprecedented. Uh, yeah. So, Tom, how could, how could this one be different than all the rest that have come before? Yeah, I think it's going to be very fascinating to see how it pans out, because I think at the same time, we're quite deep into the the world of covid now but we're still seeing changes and uncertainty around how we go forward so i think as joe talked about in our report we laid down what we can learn for previous recessions and typically pandemic based recessions have a quick bounce back but unfortunately what we're seeing across the market at the moment is that might not be the case in this instance we're seeing a greater confidence towards a slower recovery and a lot of that's down to we're trying to respond to a humanitarian crisis and uh, around actually dealing with the virus itself. So we're unsure around how we move forward past um, the uh, initial spike in cases, and we're seeing like a more cyclical and gradual spikes going forward. So we're always trying to mitigate against that. And I think as well, what's interesting is just the aspect of how. Um, we've changed our daily lives so much due to this like they often say 21 days to create a habit well I think we're in lockdown for three months um, so I think there's going to be different habits from a customer behavior point of view that have been picked up that are probably subconsciously going to be retained and we need to make sure that we're um, addressing those and dealing with those through uh, both our brand behavior but also the experiences that we're designing for our customers. I'm curious as well as to what sort of point you see us being at right now, because already we've had various different, shall we say, flavours of um, of the lockdown, of the reaction to COVID. And of course, it's different in every country as well. When we talk about recession, have we already started entering it? Have we still got to kind of start going? How do you kind of define our, our current point? I'll let any of you jump in first. So uh, obviously different countries are at different points on that journey. Um, some have entered recession, some some are about to. Uh, some seem to have shaken off COVID to some extent for the time being, and some have, some have got you know reoccurrences. So I think that you know to to that point that you know you made about Gemma about unprecedented. I think what we it, that we are dealing with a lot of uncertainty here, and it is it is difficult to. Um, hold a, a crystal ball and see into the future because um, I think uh, you know we've been we've been through a lockdown. Hopefully, we won't go anywhere near in in the UK anyway into anything as extreme as that again. But uh, there certainly is does seem like there's going to be some reoccurrence of this virus for some time, um, and it's it's more a case of management than um, uh, you know eliminating it completely anyway. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I think recessions are uh, defined as two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Though, so, so that would be um, uh, what 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 we would use to judge uh, whether we are in or a recession or not. I think in the UK, it's too early to tell at this stage. I think the the aspect of the definition of recession is quite interesting at this point because whether or not we're going to see two quarters might not be the case. But we've seen such a rapid decline from March. And even though we're seeing potential growth, I was reading a report today where we've actually seen uh, close to 2% growth in the economy in the past month as we've eased lockdown. But we're dealing with a 25% negative spike 
from the basis of March. So um, I think economically, we've still got a long way to go, whether or not we're in the droves of a recession uh, in a technical sense, uh, we'll see. And I think one of one of the things to add to that is that, you know, some sectors are going to be seeing growth at the moment because they'll be, um, you know, benefiting from some of the effects of COVID. I mean, um, just a random example, but I was hearing on the radio sales of um, bras without underwire have gone through the roof. <laughs> so, you know, there's clearly some some sectors that are in growth and then other sectors that are, are hemorrhaging at the moment as well. So I think that's one of the things that really defines this recession versus other recessions mm. as well. I just wonder why I kept seeing ads for bras without underwires and my Instagram is covered with them. So uh, <laughs> that might also be part of it. Um, obviously, with the, the time that we're in at the moment, the role of government has been, um, I guess, the biggest uh, impacting, uh, shall we say, variable and obviously really important as to what's going on. With government intervention having helped so many of the organisations during COVID-19, what impact do you think that's going to have uh, moving forward? Tom, let's start with you. Yeah. So first and foremost, I think at the end of the day, there was no playbook for how government should intervene in um, dealing with the situation that we've gone through. So I'm not going to um, go down a political route of uh, giving them any kind of hard times, but I don't want to at the same time be too much of a, um, a negative influence here. But I just think generally what we're finding going forward, and there's a big challenge lying ahead of, there are some companies out there who have benefited greatly from government intervention that may not be around when that pipeline of cash is no longer available. Um, mm. And so I think what the big thing for us going forward is thinking about you have a small window potentially for you to start thinking about what is your customer behavior going to be going forward? How do you need to reinvent or pivot yourself as an organization and reinvest some of that um, liquidity that you've been benefited from from a government point of view in terms of making yourself as fit and able to come out of COVID and make sure that you're here to last? Um, and that's a lot about what we talk about the report, just there's some core principles that we need to think about going forward um, and then just trying to take advantage of every opportunity that you've got at the moment to make sure that you're not one of those potential zombie companies that when this pipeline is no longer available, you're uh, no longer here. You mentioned um, customer behaviour there and I'd love to focus on that for a little moment. How has you know how have customers behaved historically in recessions and, and can we can we learn from that with this one, Joe? Um, yeah, great question. Thank you. So um, interesting as well to, to look at parallels with past recessions. Um, so, so we've got a kind of model actually in the report where we look at um, uh, segments of uh, customers and, and then also different kind of categories of behavior, I suppose. So you can look at people that are on the more conservative side and we call them slamming on the brakes all the way through to the people that are, are sort of much more up for living living for today and then you can kind of chart those different groups um, and how they like you to behave against different categories of say essentials so the things that you really can't trade down on or spend less on um, through to treats and then things that are postponable and then big ticket items that are maybe more expendable um, so you know for instance in the last recession we saw a big trend towards staycations um, and, and, and people kind of holidaying at home uh, as well as things like um, treating themselves through sort of comfort foods and 
um, you know, small everyday items. Uh, and I think definitely looking at some of the data that's emerging as a result of the lockdown, there's another study that we've done in the UK asking people where their sort of spending habits are going to change. And we're starting to see some of those similar themes emerging as well. Um, so I would uh, I would say have a look at the report and there's a, there's a sort of very good model that looks at that there. Um, but but yeah, I think I think just to build on what Tom was saying earlier as well, one of the major themes in the report is about how recessions tend to speed up um, some consumer trends and then slow down other ones. And so just pulling it back to that point about um, government intervention, I think that, you know, one, not to pass judgment on, on the government interventions at all, but they're not going to be there forever. And, um, you know, there'll inevitably be some casualties as a result. I mean, I'm just thinking if you're in the business of making public facing touchscreens right now, I mean, that's that's probably the end of your business, right? <laughs> Um, but the, the flip side to it is, is that um, recessions do also open up a lot of new opportunities. So habits shift around, um, new needs um, emerge. And, and, and so businesses that are smart and savvy enough can, can look for those opportunities um, and start to service those needs. Tom, I wonder if you could tell us about some of the kind of brands that you think have reacted in really interesting ways and then perhaps ones that have um, not been quite so effective in the, in the pandemic at the moment. Yeah, so I think there's some, to use this specific case of COVID right now, there's some really winners and losers that have really emerged. Um, so I think of losers, like there's people who are mistreating staff first and foremost. I think that's one of the things that I found most interesting around the idea of furlough was this new thing, this new word, this new scheme that everyone seemed to be utilizing. And then whether or not your company was utilizing it effectively, there was a, a black mark against your name, which is something that was interesting just from a PR point of view. But then from a, an experience point of view, uh, where I guess my interests most lie, the losers were those who felt like they went back to um, typical tactics and very much um, single-minded around communications and communications only, um, really. So you look at people like uh, McDonald's in Brazil, They, when social distancing came about, they separated the arches on the McDonald's logo. And now that's maybe a, a clever idea, a, a cute PRable opportunity, but it didn't actually change the experience in the stores when people were going to get their Big Mac. And that's what people were really cared about. Um, and so the, then the winners on the flip side are those who are actually thinking about utilizing every available tactic that's um, there at their disposal. So you think about uh, in the UK, Brewdog, um, the brewer with pubs, uh, etc. they were creating a digital uh, open arms where uh, on a Friday night, anyone could remotely dial in, share a pint, have a bit of a community of spirit, even though there's not a physical location, as well as people like reassigning some of their assets based upon um, the requirement at that time. So I'm thinking of Netta Porter, they were um, changing their premier delivery trucks to take out uh, emergency supplies for the NHS or uh, LVMH who were creating hand sanitizers. Again, it's just people who are thinking a little bit differently um, in, the, in the new world that we're living in. Joe, I'd wonder if you could start by kind of giving us a bit of an overview of what can we learn from the shape of past recessions um, that are going to help brands to navigate this one? I was thinking about this last night, actually. Um, the recessions are all about um, value. So the value, the value equation kind of shifts slightly 
for consumers you know they're trying to make the most get the most bang for their buck essentially based on their specific needs and um you know the category that they're shopping within within that particular time and i think the brands that have really um, done this well have sort of reframed that value equation, essentially. Now, that could be really small. So that could be simple, as simple as one of the most genius things I thought in the last recession was when M&S came out with their dine-in for £10 offer, which is really, you know, you're not going to restaurants anymore as much as you were. So actually, for £10, we'll give you a bottle of wine, a main course, a starter and a dessert for two people. And boom, you know, um, you can have you can have all the fun you need at home. I think I thought that was actually brilliant um, to sort of much bigger examples where you look at some of the major tech disruptive brands in particular in the last recession um, and the way that they completely changed business models. So, for instance, people weren't staying in hotels as much. So Airbnb um, came out and said, well, look, why don't we make use of all these empty homes that people have and they can rent out their their, their homes as an alternative to hotels, you know, and then you, you've got the likes of Netflix and Spotify and um, all of those brands as well that came along with it. So um, I think it's really, and, and we, one of the things we talk about in the report as well is that even before this recession, we were in quite a low growth economy. Um, and for brands to really take major um, steps forward, major advances, they have to kind of get out of the category they're in and kind of completely reframe things and rethink things for the consumer. Um, so I think, you know, that's what that's one of the key things to take is actually this is a great time to refocus what your business is all about fundamentally and look at how you can better service some of those those needs that are emerging out of these disruptive behaviours that I was talking about. As we know, I mean, one of the biggest, um, I guess, shifts uh, that we've we've all experienced in some way, whether it's as consumers, as citizens, as brands, as marketers, has been uh, the massive shift towards online services and the way that brands have um, either continued and built upon what they already had or completely reinvented their, their companies to exist in an online world. So how is this sort of boom of brand behaviour and in turn customer behaviour and expectations um, really change the way people think about things as we move forward into this recession tom we'll go to you yeah i think it's really interesting because i think we're seeing more and more people actually benefit from this accessibility that digital is driving so i work with a a b2b digital manufacturer and they've actually seen the rise in client interactions through lockdown um, like they've all been replaced digitally, but they're actually servicing more clients at this time. So I think that's just really, really fascinating. That kind of accessibility and that barrier seems to be, we've had to like leap over it. Uh, there was all this, this resistance to fully integrating with digital, uh, especially like we're doing now via Teams and remote working, etc. I think from a customer point of view, um, it's going to be fascinating because I think as we saw in the lead up to COVID, customer expectations are rapidly increasing, especially when it comes mm. to digital. And it, more so now because um, digital will be the the go-to channel for more and more customers with more and more accessibility needs as well. I think that's an important aspect of um, designing for people who have accessibility issues. And um, I don't think people are going to put up with inferior experiences, especially in the digital sense. They have so much more of a yardstick and um basis and benchmark to judge against that if you're delivering inferior digital experiences people will choose not to do business with you anymore 
Um, and I think that's just really places a massive emphasis on um, making sure that you have all the available tools to create great digital experiences, but also you're actively looking to improve them going forward and making the most of where your customers now are. I think that's a really interesting point about, um, you know, customer expectations shifting and, and not accepting inferior products because, you know, at the start of the of the lockdown, I think customers or just people in general were relatively forgiving um, of businesses that were either having to very quickly build websites or build apps or shift entire businesses. But now that we're three months in, I think there's less of a, a less patience, I guess, from people um, when it comes to these sort of inferior digital experiences. But, but Joe, I would love to hear um, from you a little bit more broadly about this idea of um, how customers are sort of judging brands, because obviously there's been a big conversation about um, ethics. I mean, Tom, you mentioned earlier about treatment of workers and, and mm. abusing different schemes. So, you know, if, if brands are being seen as respond, not responding appropriately to the pandemic, how do you think that's going to impact brands in the long run? You know, I wonder if you have any examples of that we could we could draw on. Um, yeah, definitely. I think that, that there's loads of examples in the in the report, and I think some of the ones Tom mentioned as well. Uh, we, I mean, there was a, a website that popped up quite early on called Did They Help, mm. which is where you can put in any brand name uh, or company, and it will score them basically on how well they responded to the COVID crisis. So, you know, to that point, I think customers have this information at their fingertips now, and you can you can see a brand's record on this kind of kind of stuff and um it's certainly something coming through and as i think i think i mentioned another study i've worked on recently where we asked people about what role they think brands should be playing um in the in the recovery and uh, one of the highest things is treatment of employees so um i mean i i would think that um you know that certainly it, that there's a sense that kind of you know, charity starts at home. You need to treat your own workers right and ensure that your 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 brands and products are all safe to use. And you know, companies like Virgin Atlantic that announced really early on that they weren't. I mean, it, even though this kind of became more of like the norm, you know, that they were furloughing staff and they weren't going to pay them and this kind of stuff, will remain quite latent in in people's memories. I think, and um, uh, certainly, I think when it comes down to brand preference, um, if you have a choice. You know, if you're, you know, you're comparing sort of a BA flight to a Virgin Atlantic flight, for instance, and there's no difference between them, then you're not going to favour the brand that you, you feel bad about, frankly, um, at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, I hope that answers the question. So again, you know, following the last recession, and I think this is obviously the one that has we've talked about most until now, of course, with it being so recent. Um, a lot of the kind of discussions after that, particularly surrounding the advertising, marketing, media world, was that you know brands that stopped spending ended up in the long term being the losers. You know, obviously, to, advertising and kind of. Uh, not directly revenue generating um, costs are always the first to go when when companies uh, don't have the money. So how are you advising brands to sort of spend their way out the recession when it comes to to media or technology investments? How do you think these patterns are going to change, Tom? Yeah, I think that's the crux of the matter. A lot of most of the time when we're talking with clients, like how do we go forward, make sure that we're utilising spend most effectively, and I think. There is no one size fits all with this recession. And I think what we've seen in the report is we need to clearly identify where we sit in 
um, some quite easily identifiable quadrants based upon um, our, access, our access to customers. How easy are we able to rely on the same supply chains and routes to market that we had pre-COVID, but also the intent that customers have to purchase with us. Um, so depending on maybe, like Joe mentioned, our uh, unethical behaviour or just generally that we're seen as a, an expendable product, we need to be thinking about how we may differ um, our spend based upon that. Uh, but then also I think as well, there's just an important point that I'm trying to have with the people that I'm working with at the moment around not going dark and often it is a, a financial decision and they try and look at it purely based upon uh, maximizing um, their revenue and I think look that should be a core objective for anyone who's spending money especially in this sense they want to be making money back but if you go dark you're removing yourself from where your customers are potentially you're removing the ability to gain insight around what your customers are doing, how you can help and what are their new behaviours and what kind of interactions are they wanting to be having with you going forward. And I think if we go dark and make this purely based on a financial decision, we're going to come out of this crisis from a brand point of view, potentially none the wiser. And we're going to blame our poor performance all on COVID, whereas actually we could have been learning so much more, adapting and designing new experiences going forward for what the new normal will be. And I hate that phrase, but I'm going to keep using it. But um, that is the real big um, opportunity lost, I think, around us not spending and interacting with our customers at at this time. Joe, do you want to add anything to to that? Um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the report makes um, a pretty watertight case for spending in a recession. Um, Obviously, I think... For, for some companies and for some businesses, it's it's there's no choice. You know, you simply can't. You have to rein in the purse strings. Um, you know, I was interested to read uh, recently that McDonald's are coming out with their what they call their war chest. So they've obviously had a recession fund, you know, in, waiting in the wings for this moment because they understand. And the same, it's the same with, um, you know, big, big companies like P&G and Unilever as well. They know that a recession is a brilliant time to invest in their brands um, because you will get so much bang for your buck in terms of being able to grow your your share of market um, because of the fact that your competitors are reducing their their spend and there's less noise, essentially, um, which is largely the basis for the case for investing. But I think also to just to build on what Tom was saying, you know, it won't hurt you necessarily in the short term in terms of um, sales. Um, but it's those longer, you know, lead time sales sort of six months down the line that you're not generating because you're, you're, you're going dark and you're not you're not investing in maintaining that consumer preference. And what's really difficult for brands, um, you know, once we come out of um, pandemics or recessions is, it, you know, any share lost during that time is quite difficult to regain because, you, you know, we're, we're creatures of habit, essentially. And if you're not maintaining that relationship, maintaining those habits during that time, it will it will really really hurt you in the long term. So um, sometimes quite contrary to kind of people's instincts and what people think, which is actually to stop spending. Um, in recessions are actually a very very good time to invest in brand, and, and not necessarily just in in advertising and communications, but the entire brand experience, um, which I think we were talking about, we touched on a little bit earlier as well. That point actually leads quite nicely onto my next question, which is around you know the last financial crisis 
sort of paved the way for some new disruptive brands and startups and companies that became household names. You know, I'm thinking of companies like Netflix, Airbnb, although who knows what's going to happen with Airbnb now, but um, these kind of companies that did kind of um, enjoy, I guess, growth in, in a time when many others didn't. Do you think this recession might prove to be another catalyst for, for innovation and disruption, Tom? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really good point. And look, I wish I could tell you exactly where that innovation is going to be coming from because I'll be creating a startup right now. Um, <laughs> but I think the, the, it's a really interesting point because really when you see such a shift in consumer behavior, there is kind of no way that we're not going to see something come out of the blue that is going to really capitalize on um, something that they've seen in the market that maybe others haven't and that were looking at in five years time was like you know this was all ever apparent so um yeah i wish i could say exactly where it's going to come from but i think it, it would be foolish not to think that something is going to happen there is going to be a new startup or there is going to be some form of new technology by potentially not a startup it could be a big player in the space that really changes um the way in which we think about experiences and technology and just generally um how we interact with our customers have you been seeing anything uh, so far, Joe, that you kind of think mm, that's a interesting, innovative or creative, um, I guess, <laughs> making the making the most of a, of a bad time that we're in, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I think electric bikes and the take up of electric bikes in urban areas is, is like, well, I mean, aside from people just buying bikes, I think, um, uh, you know that that's that's definitely one you one you could look at for you know um, is really going to take off. And I mean, partly that was in existence already, right? But as we said, recessions just tend to speed some things up and slow things down. I, I guess if I was looking for um, a brand or a company that's really noticed and and you need and servicing that um, in a way that it wasn't existing before and has just emerged. I think we're not seeing those quite just yet. It's a little bit early, but um, I'm sure they'll be coming through in the next few months, weeks, months, you know. Yeah, I, th I think the, the, the back to the point of, I don't think we're in a space of who's really going to be a winner or what's the startup going to be, but I think there is mm. seems to be a trend that has been around for so long. And it's almost what Airbnb capitalized in the first place, this kind of access, not ownership aspect. So, um, for example, like Joe mentioned, e-bikes, not everyone needs to own a bike, but if I have access mm. to one, then that's fine. Um, Deliveroo almost capitalize on this in terms of I will go to Deliveroo or Uber Eats because I have access to more restaurants than if I go to Yellow Pages or whatever it might have been back in the day. Um, so I think that's something that we're going to start seeing um, move forward with. And I think it's there's a technology angle and an experience angle that can be taken advantage of that trend even further. So I want to I want to end on um, the podcast. We always end on a little bit of advice. And I know that the report is chock-a-block full of frameworks and um, advice and, you know, how should brands respond to these kind of ideas. But I would love for you guys to perhaps summarize, you know, the, as you've said, there's no one size fits all formula for winning in any kind of recession, never mind this, as we say, unprecedented one. But how should brands be responding now and going forward to ensure that they do survive in this, you know, post-corona world? Joe? Um, yeah, so I, I suppose this is pulling on a lot of the things we've talked about, really. But for me, I would, um, if, if I was um, running a company or a brand at, at the moment, I would just be using this time very carefully to 
really refocus on what my brand and business is all about using that to redefine how you can now um, meet the emerging needs and trends um, in the market and, and rebuilding um, around around that business model really and, and, and fully investing in brand experience and, and not going dark if you can afford to. Tom, we'd love to hear from you the same question. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, we're kind of amalgamating as much as we can here and trying to give you um, really good bit of sound advice and I think there's a couple of things for me so uh, we kind of touched upon the the way in which digital experience we're not going to um, be satisfied with inferior ones going forward now that may be true and I think you touched upon it Gemma that actually now we're almost in the area uh, era of live tv like anything goes you'll be allowed to do whatever you want as long as you're trying to better serve your customers so i think now when we often say uh, fail fast is uh, now is a time where you can fail you can fail fast and you won't be um take into account for it so as long as you've got the customer's best intentions at heart so I think now is an opportunity to start designing getting out there creating new experiences and see what works and learn from that and start pivoting and then um, yeah really just reiterating what Joe says around trying to stay close to what your brand is and living your brand promise as much as possible and building your brand because what we've seen in this recession and all other previous recessions uh, strong brands grow stronger uh, people want to know who they're buying from want to understand that there's a consistent experience from a consistent brand and so we need to make sure that we're investing in who our brand is and what that brand might be going forward Amazing. Thank you both so much for, for sharing so many different um, insights, obviously both through the report and here. I know I'm putting you on the spot trying to get you to, to summarise things in a short podcast, but it's absolutely awesome to, to get these really actionable insights. So many different examples um, to for people to learn from and just coming in and sharing your candid thoughts on the show. If you want to hear more about what we were discussing today, the report by Wonderman Thompson is called Winning in a Recession and there should be a link in the show notes for you. Don't forget to tune in next time when we'll be talking about the power of unified customer data with data guru Alex Steer and Cognified's very own technology strategist Mark Deal. The value of data has been on the agenda for many years, but what are the key data challenges that marketers really face today? Join us for more next month.